I know the last couple of Sunday mornings have been dynamic with the teaching on tithing. And I think it's just incredible the stuff that God's uh, been, been showing us in those regards. And, and honestly, that's not something that we preach about real often. And it's been probably several years since we've had just full-out sermons on it. And it's really, really speaking to a lot of people. So I'm, I'm really grateful uh, for the word we're getting on Sunday mornings. So praise God for that. Uh, well, tonight we're going to be on... Part five of our series called The Son of None. And I want to catch up a little bit in case maybe you haven't heard the first few uh, lessons out of this series. But in the, in the Bible, there's this guy named Joshua, and he is called Joshua the son of Nun because his dad's name was Nun. And so Joshua, son of Nun, and he took over for Moses. He had been Moses' assistant while Moses was leading the people out of uh, the land of, of bondage and slavery out of, as he got them out of Egypt, and they were in the wilderness. Joshua was right there for all of it. He was, uh, he was being mentored by Moses. He was being trained. And I'm talking about if you could pick a mentor to have in life, Moses would be at the top of the list. He was, he was the man. Moses was awesome. And so Joshua was getting this personal mentoring and training for all these years under Moses. And as we know, Moses, he passes away, he dies, and he isn't able to fully go into the promised land himself, although he's allowed to see it from a distance, but he's not actually allowed to go in. And so Joshua takes over at about the age of 85, as we've learned, and, and he's now in charge. He's got the responsibility of a couple of million people. Moses got him this far. He got him right to the outside. But now Joshua has to take over and talk about big shoes to fill. You're taking over for Moses. I'm talking about Moses here. He's taking over for him and he's now responsible for finishing the job. And so as we've studied some of the first instructions that God gave Joshua before he took over, he keeps telling him, Joshua, don't be afraid or discouraged. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And he keeps telling him this all through the first, all throughout the book of Joshua. In fact, one of the verses we're going to read tonight, he says the same thing. But he keeps telling him, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, Joshua. I'm with you wherever you go. You're not doing this on your own. And that's something for us to remember tonight. So many times we're looking at battles, we're looking at the impossible situations, and we keep saying, how am I going to do this? How am I going to overcome this? Lord, how am I going to do this? And that's your problem. You're, you're relying on yourself. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do when we're supposed to be listening to this verse right here where God's saying, I'm with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid or discouraged. I've got this. Just do things my way and it's going to work out okay. And so Joshua does this. One of the great verses, Joshua 1a, he, he, uh, he keeps telling him, uh, he says, Joshua, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. And we discovered, this is one of the main points of the whole series I want you to get, is that to meditate means to repeat something to yourself over and over. And so God said, Joshua, if you were going to do this, you're going to have to get the word. We, the Bible is what we refer to it in our day and age. You're going to have to get the Bible and you're going to have to get some verses and repeat them to yourself nonstop, day and night. And so Joshua, a busy man in charge of millions of people, is walking around repeating Bible verses to himself day and night. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. God is good. And he's repeating these verses all the time and to, to where it gets to the point where Joshua is a full-out warrior 
for God. I mean, he is not intimidated. He is not afraid. He is courageous. He leads them across the Jordan River, as we saw. They tear down the walls of Jericho. And then last week we saw how somebody committed a sin amongst the people. He stole something that he wasn't supposed to take. This guy named Achan. And so God said, hey, you guys are done. You're not going to win any more battles until this is dealt with. Joshua deals with the sin. And that brings us to where we are this week. I'm going to tell you the exciting story of Joshua and the Gibeonites. And maybe you haven't heard this story, but we're going to, I'm going to tell it to you tonight. So who's excited? All right. All right. This may not be a story that you've read, but it is a, it's a great story right here. So I want to open us in prayer and we're going to get into this message tonight. And God's going to speak to your heart if you'll listen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for bringing us into this this house of worship tonight, into this church. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we open our hearts and our minds and our Bibles, uh, Lord, you're going to speak to us. You know what each one of us needs to hear. You're going to speak to us and reach us right where we are tonight. And we're just going to leave here changed for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. So open your Bible tonight to Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9. And this is an exciting story. Joshua chapter 9. And so Joshua and the guys, they're, they're clearing house, man. They're in the promised land. They're, just, they're wiping these guys out. They're clearing it. And, and they're, they're conquering the land that God gave to them. They're doing the right thing. And their reputation is spreading. I mean, they're, they're getting a reputation of people like, man, we don't want to mess with them. We better just leave these guys alone. And so uh, one city in particular city called Gibeon, they decided uh, that they didn't want to fight against Joshua and the people of Israel. And so point number one tonight is going to be this. It's going to be always consult God. Number one, always consult God. And you'll see why I'm telling you this. Always consult God. Look at Joshua chapter nine. We're going to start here at verse three. But when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to deception to save themselves. Uh Oh, They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins. What's going on here? They put on worn out patched sandals and ragged clothes, and the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. And so these guys are, they come from a good city. They're not poor. They've got a good army. And in fact, it's a bigger city than Ai was. And here they are. They are they are dressing up and putting on a facade. They are tricking and disguising themselves like they're poor desert wanderers. They they sat their bread out and let it mold like, oh, man, we've had this bread for months. We don't have it. I mean, they were just putting on a whole show because they were getting ready to go lie to Joshua. And, and you're going to see what happens here. But this was a complete fraud that they were putting on. It was a hoax. And so here we go. Uh, Verse six, when they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. The Israelites replied to these Hivites, how do we know that you don't live nearby? For if you do, we cannot make a treaty with you because they couldn't make a treaty with anybody in that region. God told them to clear everybody out. And so they can't go to one of these nearby towns and make a treaty and say, we're not ever going to drive you out. We're going to be your ally and your buddies. You know, come on in. We're your friends. They couldn't do that. But these guys were tricking them. So look at this. Verse 8, they replied. Notice they didn't didn't answer the question, first of all. They said, how do we know you're not from a nearby town? Well, they replied, "Uh, we are your servants. But who are you, Joshua demanded. Where do you come from? They answered, 
Your servants have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and of all he did in Egypt. And so these guys were straight lying through their teeth. They didn't come from a distant land. They didn't come from a land that took several weeks or months to get there. They were just a day or two's walk away. They were not from a distant land. But they came in and they figured they had heard what God was doing for Joshua and the Israelites. And I'll tell you now, when you get God working on your behalf, you're going to build a reputation. Not for yourself, but people are going to look at your life and say, I, I see what God does for her. I'm not going to, we're not going to mess with her. We don't, want to, we don't want to go there. Just leave her alone. We're, going to, we're not going to mess with that. And when, God has, when you've been letting God work strong on your behalf, man, people know. They realize, and this wasn't in the days of, you know, 24-hour news broadcasts. They didn't get their news podcast out in Gibeon and say, oh my gosh, CNN says that Joshua and them just cleared out AI. Uh, oh boy, we better tweet this real quick to all of our homies so everybody knows. No, that didn't happen. I mean, they were just kicking behind left and right so much that it was spreading all over the region and people were riding from town to town. Listen, don't mess with this group that just came in. Don't mess with them. They win at everything they do. They can't fail. Leave them alone. And remember, we saw some of their military tactics were the craziest things you've ever heard of. Shouting at walls and walls falling down. I mean, this makes no sense, but it keeps working. Everything they do is working because God is on their side. And they fell into that groove, man, where just everything started working. And I'm telling you, when you're serving God, there's challenges. But if you'll listen to him and do things his way, things will fall into place and you will succeed. Remember in Deuteronomy, it says that God made this promise to Moses. He said, if you do things my way, everything you set your hand to, I'm going to bless. Everything. You'll be successful at anything you do if you're obeying the word of God and you're doing things his way. And so that, this was the type of stuff that Joshua would have been meditating to himself. These were the writings of Moses. And so Joshua, when he was meditating in the word day and night, he, was, he would have been walking around saying these exact things. God, you're going to bless whatever I set my hand to. Everything I set my hand to is blessed. Everything I do is blessed. I'm victorious everywhere I go. He had been saying this to himself so much that he actually believed it. And that's the whole point of meditating the word of God is when you, when you hear something that much, you start to believe it. And even if you came in feeling like a loser and like you couldn't do anything at all, if you spend a couple of months repeating this to yourself all the time, everything I do is blessed. Everything God blesses, I'm victorious. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm blessed in the city and the field and the country. Everywhere I go, I'm blessed. God is on my side. You start to believe that stuff. And when you get a person that starts to believe and obey the word of God. Just step back and watch out because some miracles are going to happen. And that's what started happening here because Joshua was going in and, I mean, just clearing the place out and tearing down walls and conquering because that's what God told him to do. And so their reputation spread and people did not want to mess with Joshua and the army of Israel. They, did, they didn't want any part of that. And so these guys, they, they hear what's going on. So they're like, man, we better, we better be proactive instead of reactive. We're going to go over there and, and fool them into a peace treaty right now. Because as tough as they are, they're also very honest. And I know if we can get Joshua to sign a peace treaty, he won't go back on it. And so they go in there and they fool Joshua. They put on these, just like an actor, man, just like in the movie, they put on these old clothes with holes in them and rub dirt on there and this moldy bread. Look at our bread. And look, I mean, it's crazy. So look at verse 14 here. 
So the Israelites examined their food, all right? So like, yeah, this is molded bread. This is disgusting. But look at this. But they did not consult the Lord. Whoa! Get this. We're talking about Joshua and the people of Israel. That they, they, they go through all the natural steps. They go through protocol. They question them. They, you know, they probably do background checks and everything else. They, they, they Google their names. Okay, Gibeon. And they're trying to find out everything they can find. Yeah, the bread's moldy. Their story lines up. So, so they follow all the natural steps they've got. But they did not consult the Lord. God would have told them the truth about the people of Gibeon. He would have said, they're frauds, they're making this up, they're lying through their teeth. But no, they didn't consult the Lord their God. And so look at this. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety. And the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. But guess what? Three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people actually lived nearby. They found out, like, oops! We just signed a peace treaty and we just signed a covenant with a group that lives like right up the block. And we didn't know because they ran through all the natural steps, but they didn't consult the Lord about it. That's a big lesson for us right here. I mean, we've got to be careful in our lives who we align ourselves with. Sometimes a person, somebody... They may check out from every single angle. Well, yeah, they're saying this, and yeah, that makes sense. Okay, this looks good from over here. But before you enter into any type of a relationship or a covenant or a deal with somebody, I'm not talking about, you know, your grocer. I'm talking about if you're going to do a serious something with somebody, even if everything looks right on paper, you better consult God first, even if everything else looks right. And, you know, the Bible warns us very strongly to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The Gibeonites, they were not followers of Jehovah God. These guys, they probably worshiped the sun and the stars and all kinds of other junk. But they were not followers of Jehovah. And so here we are. The children of Israel had entered into a covenant with these guys that they were not of the same faith. And I want to show you, hold your place right where you're at, but... Flip really quick to 1 Corinthians 15.33. 1 Corinthians 15.33. But we, we have, we've got to consult God first. Always talk to God about what you're doing with your life. Even if it makes sense on paper, God sees things that you don't see. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. And here's what the Apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15:33. He said, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody that's been a good Christian person, a person of integrity, morals, and good character. They hook up with the wrong person. They, they, they start hanging out with the wrong crowd or whatever the case is. Man, bad company will corrupt that good character. All of a sudden, I see somebody that, I, I mean, I've known has been a strong Christian for years. Now they're, they're out doing the same things that everybody else. They're watching nasty videos. They're, they're drinking and, 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 I mean, out doing all kinds of 
wrong things. And they never did that before. And they didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, I think I just want to completely walk away from God. Nobody does that. It's a process. Nobody just is on fire for God one day, then wakes up and says, you know what? I think I'm done with this church thing. I'm just, I'm cold turkey. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm not going to do this anymore. No. It usually starts when you start hanging out with the wrong person or the wrong crowd. And here we are. Joshua has signed an agreement with the wrong crowd. These people that were not even followers of Jehovah God. And I mean, this, this ultimately is an, um, um, what you've got to get out of this. This verse right here, this answers the question about if a Christian should date somebody that is not a Christian. Hello, good Lord. That is about the most obvious uh, thing we need to avoid right there. And so I was even thinking, man, if I was a single young man, which I'm not, okay, so sorry. Okay, I'm taken, right? Boom. Amen. (laughs) But if I was and I was on the market looking, you know, I don't care how good looking that young lady was. If she wasn't an on fire, spirit filled in church a couple times a week, working in here. I mean, if she wasn't completely sold out to God, I wouldn't touch her with a 10 foot pole. And I think that's a word of advice for everybody in here, man. If you if you're looking at somebody and they are not born again, spirit filled, on fire for God at the same level you are, don't even look at them. Run, run the other direction. Get away from that because somebody when you when you enter into a union with somebody that's not at the same faith level as you. All right. No, somebody that's not equally yoked. Somebody's going to have to compromise what they believe in that relationship. Something's got to give somewhere. And I think Dylan's testimony earlier, well, I mean, I know he's going to talk about that, but that was, that was dead on right here. And that movie or the, the play that he, he's entering into, he knew he had, to, he had to be up front and say, listen, either that word is written out of the play or I'm written out of the play. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be in here if that word's in this play. Something's got to give. Somebody was going to have to compromise. Either he was going to have to compromise his beliefs, or they were going to have to compromise and give in to what he said. Thank God he stood up for the right thing, and they were the ones to back down and get rid of that word. Thank God for that. We need more stuff like that. We need Christians. We need people that will say, hey, listen, I'm not trying to cause trouble here, but I'm not okay with this. I can't do that right there. I, I can't be a part of that. And if you need to get rid of me, that's fine. But I'm not, I'm not going to sell out. I'm not going to do that. We need more people to do stuff like that. Because so often we see people compromising their beliefs, saying, well, yeah, I know, but I don't want to cause a scene. I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to be that one guy. Listen, I've been that one guy a few times, all right? I've stuck my neck out there and said, I'm sorry. I know you all like to do this, but just don't do it around me. I'm not, I'm not, not judging you. I'm not being mean to you, but just don't do that around me. Please take that elsewhere. Or please don't say that around me. My children are standing right here. And, you know, I mean, I don't think that's too much to ask to stand up for what you believe is right. I mean, I'm not out telling people how to live their lives, but I am saying, don't do that around me. You do what you want on your own time, but don't do that around me. And so you've got to be able to stand up and you've got to be able to, to learn from these lessons here that you don't team up and you don't yoke yourselves. You don't bind yourselves to, to somebody that's not on that same level. And these people from Gibeon were definitely not followers of God. So back to our main point here. You always consult God first. If Joshua and the leaders had asked God about these guys, he would have told them. 
Think about all the times that Joshua goes to God and says, God, should I do this right here? God says, yes, that's exactly what you should do. Or we'll see sometimes where God says, no, Joshua, don't do that. Wait, don't do that right now. But God always was a, he's a straight shooter with Joshua. And he'll be a straight shooter with you. He'll just, he'll tell you the truth if you'll go to him. It says if we ask for wisdom, we can go to God and he won't resent our asking. He gives wisdom to those that ask. And so Joshua and the guys, they should have talked to God. So sometimes you may look at a situation from every conceivable angle. You may do your research, your background checks. You may look and dot all your I's, cross all your T's, and everything makes sense. But you need to still consult God before making a decision on these type of things. Because as a human, you are bound to your five senses. You're bound. If you, you know, you're bound to what you can see, you know, hear, taste, smell, touch. You're, you're, you're bound. You, you have no, as a human, you have no sense outside of that. You have no idea. But God is not bound by your reasoning. God is not bound by your logic. He sees things that you don't see. He knows things that you can't possibly know. And so sometimes we're wondering, well, I know God's telling me this. I just don't know why. And what I found out is, is that if I'll just listen and obey I'll usually find out later why he was telling me that. Now, sometimes I found out because I've disobeyed and said, oh, well, I know I don't feel comfortable about this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Then I found out later when I get my behind kicked, oh, I wish I would have listened to God. Oh, now I know why he said to not do that. But it's a lot better when I can look back and say, okay, now I see why you said not to do that because you had something a whole lot better over here. I am so glad I didn't settle for this when you had this waiting right on the other side. So it just listen, always listen and consult God first. Even if what he's telling you makes no sense at all, just listen, trust and obey. Do things his way, man, because I found out I'm really not that smart. I mean, I'm not putting down on myself, okay? I'm, I'm, you know, average intelligence. But, but I am saying that God is a billion times smarter than I am. He sees things years down the road. And as I've said before, I can't see what's going to happen 30 seconds from now. I have no idea what's going to happen when I leave here tonight. I assume I'm going to go home and eat something and put my kids to bed. But I, I can't see five minutes ahead. God can see 50 years ahead. He knows what's going to happen next week, next month, next year, next decade. He knows, and God's so good and loving that he'll start telling me right now the steps to take. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He'll start leading me in, in just little steps. Okay, go this way a little bit. All right, now go back this way. He'll lead me the whole way if I'll just listen. But too many people, they don't want to listen, even though God's talking. They, they, they want what they want, and God's saying, no, I've got, I've got a better way to handle this. But they just won't listen. And so I'm telling you now... Always consult God. He is not bound by your senses and by your logic and your intelligence. He's got, he, he's got a whole bigger thing working here if you'll just listen to him. And I think what we find Joshua in right here is probably like so many of us are. He's a busy man, okay? He's got millions of people he's looking after. He's devising his next battle plan. And so a group of guys comes in. He's like, okay, run the background checks. Ask them where you guys from. Okay, okay, blah, blah, blah. And and he goes through protocol. He's like, okay, well, let's sign the agreement and get them out of here. I think that he was honestly just in a hurry and didn't take the time to do the right thing because... I know Joshua's character from studying him already, and he was a man that consulted God and talked to God every day. I think he just got caught up with 
with the busyness of everything going on and just passed this through and signed this to get to get things on the way. And I think we've got to watch out in our lives, too. We get so caught up in busyness and all the things going on that sometimes we make decisions on the spur of the moment or, or, or we just, you know, let things go without truly consulting God about it. And we can't be like that, you know, especially, you know, parents and their kids. That's something that we've got to be so serious about consulting God, because I can't tell you how many times, you know, I'm on a phone on this year. I've got somebody knocking on my door for prayer. I've got, you know, I'm counseling a teenager on my computer, all these different things going on all at once. And then my kids are tugging on my like, hey, dad, can we have a gumball before dinner? What? And, you know, whatever the question. Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. Go. All right. Yeah. 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 Fine. Go. Good. All right. Yeah. What was that? And you I mean, we get so caught up that that we don't take the time to stop and listen and do the right thing. And, and we we can't be like that, especially when it's coming to major decisions. OK, the gumball before dinner isn't that major unless mom finds out. But but, it, you know, the bigger decisions in life, we got to be we got to always take the time to stop the busyness and say, OK, well, I'm not going to make a decision on this just right this second. Give me a minute to talk to God for just a second. And that's a lesson I've learned in life is whenever somebody wants a a decision on a major issue right then, hey, are you in or are you out? Well, can I have a minute to think about it? No. Are you in or are you out? I'm out. I'm not going to make a decision like that. You're not going to pressure me and rush me. I haven't even talked to God yet. I'm not. No, I'm out. And, and, And that's where we've got to be, where we've got to say, listen, I'm going to talk to God. And if you can't wait till then, then I'm sorry. Count, count me out. But take the time to consult God. Don't let people just in the rush or the spur of the moment have you make some major decision, some life decision. Don't do that. You're going to get yourself into trouble. And so the second thing we're going to learn out of Joshua here, the first thing is this, is to always consult God. But another great lesson here that we learn out of this is you've got to always keep your word. Always keep your word. Now, Joshua, out of all this, he, he regretted signing this peace treaty, but he did sign it. And he was a man of his word. He followed God, and he knows, listen, I'm, I, said, I said I would do this. I can't lie now. Fortunately, very fortunately, the people of Gibeon did not turn on him, and they were there for peace because they were terrified of Joshua. So he didn't have to kill them. But he did keep his word to them. So look at this. Look at this. Joshua uh, chapter 9, verse, uh, verse 19. Because when, when all the people of Israel found out that they had been deceived by the Gibeonites, they were furious. And all the people said, Joshua, kill them. Kill every single one of them, Joshua. And so all the people were like, off with their head. And, and they're like, we, they got to pay for this. They lied to us. And everybody was furious. Joshua knew he'd made a mistake, but he also knew that he'd given his word. So Joshua chapter 9, verse 19, it says, But the leaders replied, Since we have sworn an oath in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. We can't do anything because we told God we wouldn't. When you make a promise to God, I mean, you need to keep your word to everybody. But if you have made a promise to God, you better keep that sucker. You know what I mean? That's why we take marriage covenants and, and your vows and all that very seriously. You made a promise to God. That's, that's a big deal right there. And if you've made a promise to God in any area of your life, I mean, you promised God, I'm going to do this for you. You better keep your word to God. And so the, the, the leaders of Israel said, I know, we all want to kill them. We all want to punish them. We can't even touch these guys because we promised God. We can't do anything. So verse 20, this is what we must do. 
We must let them live, for divine anger would come upon us if we broke our oath. So, like, hey, listen, we don't, want, we don't want to get on the bad side of God. We promise we're going to keep our word. Yes, we want, to do, we want to punish them, but we can't do anything because we made a promise to God. We don't want God's wrath coming upon us. So, hey, it is what it is. We've got to let it go. So, uh, Joshua, uh, he knew that he couldn't fix one wrong with another wrong. It would have been, it was wrong that he, he signed this covenant without consulting God, but it also would have been wrong to go back on his word and kill all them for lying to him. And we've got to learn that too. You can't fix one wrong with another wrong. You can't say, oh, they lied to me. I'll lie to them. I'll fix this situation. I'll tell them this, this, and this. They lied to me first. And I mean, let's get real here. Let's, get, let's just get down to the nitty-gritty for just a second. I hear so many, you know, adults. I'm talking about adult men and women say stuff to me like, yeah, I mean, I know the Bible says this, but they did this to me first. Man, are you kidding me? Are you serious? I knew I blew up. I know I punched him in the face. But man, they told me I was ugly. They, and they said it first. So I hit them and I don't feel bad I, because they did it first. Listen, that's the type of stuff that four-year-olds say. Little kids say stuff like that. And I don't even like, I don't accept that for my kids. If one of my kids hits the other one and, and, and they come to me and say, well, they hit me first. I don't buy that. I don't care, man. You still did wrong. You can't fix one wrong with another wrong. So please don't be the type of person that says, well, I, they lied to me first. So I'm going to I'm going to lie to get out of this situation. I'm going to I'm just going to get back. I'm just going to make things fair. That's all I'm going to do. They did it to me first. Never use that phrase ever. Never say they did it to me first. That is immature and that is unacceptable for a mature adult or a mature Christian to say. God doesn't buy that stuff. Because what did Jesus say? Someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other. Turn the other. He says if a soldier demands you carry his gear for one mile, go the extra mile. Carry it two miles. He didn't say if somebody slaps you, well, you better slap them twice since they got you once. You better, you better get one step ahead. Man, no, that's pathetic. Don't act like that. Don't act like that. Don't be that type of person. And so Joshua, he, he knew he probably wanted to punish these guys. He made it, he, I mean, they had to have embarrassed Joshua. He's probably really embarrassed out of this. He's the strong leader. He's doing all these right things. And now he gets, you know, he gets put on and, and tricked by a bunch of bad actors out of a situation. Some moldy bread. He got tricked by molded bread. And he signed a, a, a treaty with another group out of this. This is embarrassing, but... He couldn't fix it just by going out and doing something wrong again. You can't fix one wrong with another. The only way that you fix a wrong is by doing the right thing and doing what God commands. And so he had to keep his word right here. Look at verse 26. Verse 26. So Joshua did not allow the people of Israel to kill them. Thank God. But that day he made the Gibeonites the woodcutters and water carriers for the community of Israel and for the altar of the Lord. He's like, oh, so you want to be our allies? Well, I've got a job for you. You guys know how to cut wood? Go grab an axe. So they, he puts these guys in charge of cutting wood and carrying water. He gives them a job. They wanted to be allies, so he does give them a job. Wherever, uh, so uh, he, he made them the water carriers for the community of Israel, for the altar of the Lord, wherever the Lord would choose to build it. And that is what they do to this day. So as of the time of this writing, several thousand years ago, that's what their job still was. And so Joshua, I mean, he... He, he held up his end of the bargain. He gave them a task to do, and, and he did not kill them because he was a man of his word. And check this out. When, when you're a man of your word, when you're a woman of your word, it's a whole lot easier for you 
to believe the word of God. Because somebody that doesn't even have any confidence in their own word, if you're so used to telling lies and living a life of lies yourself, it's really hard for you to stand on the word of God and accept absolute truth. Somebody that doesn't live a life of absolute truth where there's gray areas, well, yeah, I know it says this, but I, I'm going to do this over here. You can't, you can't live like that and then go out there and claim these vic- victory verses. My God shall supply all my needs. But I'm going to lie to this guy over here because he's a bum. You know, that's not going to work. You can't live your life that way. It's all or nothing in the kingdom of God. And so, and so when somebody is so used to walking around telling half-truths and lies and being dishonest and cutting shady business deals and all this stuff, man, they don't have, you can't possibly have confidence in the Word of God and expect it to work for you because sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes your Word's good, sometimes it isn't. You've got to be a man and a woman of your Word. And when you do, you start to really, really cling to the promises of God because you know it's true. And that's how Joshua was. He knew God's word was true, and he knew that his own word had to be true. And so he kept his word, and I am really glad that God always keeps his word to us. Can I get an amen on that? Thank God that he is a, a, he's a God of his word. He doesn't lie. The Bible says that God is not a man, so he, he doesn't lie. Men will lie to you. People will lie and break their word to you and deceive you. God won't do that. And that's what I love about our church and churches like this. I mean, I hear some churches, you know, they'll show you a Bible verse that sounds so beautiful and, and encouraging. And then they explain all the reasons why that probably couldn't be true. I mean, I just like to take the Bible at face value. If it says God will supply all my needs, boom, I'm in. I'll, I'll take that. If it says that I can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, I'm going to claim that. And I'm going to stand on that. I'm not going to find a way to explain, well, yeah, but I was written to this group. And back then, in this era, and they wore turbans, and then they did this, and then they blah, blah, blah. And, and try to explain how many reasons why that couldn't be true. No, the Bible says that. I mean, I'm just going to believe it for what it says. I'm taking it at face value. And that's how we've got to be. We've got to be able to believe the Word of God. A, a verse that I love, uh, uh, you can write this down, Psalm 33, 4, says, For the Word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything He does. Psalm 33, 4, For the Word of the Lord holds true. And we can trust everything he does. So if I'm in the middle of a a battle and and doubt is trying to come to my mind and things are trying to say it's not going to work this time, I will say right there in the presence of God, the angels and the devil, I will say, no, for the word of the Lord holds true. I can trust everything he does. God's word is true. I, I don't care what everybody else is saying. I don't care what these situations are saying to me, these troubles, the word of God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. This situation is a liar. This sickness, this disease, it's a liar. These troubles, these problems, they're saying that God's word doesn't work. It's a lie because God's word always works. The word of the Lord holds true. We can trust everything that he does. And you can't convince me otherwise. You're too late to tell me that God's word doesn't work. He's healed me too many times. He saved me and delivered me and brought me out of the pit too many times for you to come in and say that it doesn't work. You're too late. I would never believe that in a million years. God's word works for those that will listen and obey it. It works every single time. God's word is true. And so... What we're learning from Joshua is you've got to consult God. You've got to keep your word when you put it out there. And the third lesson tonight is this. 
is that God will do the impossible for you. And I'm getting ready to show you a very interesting story out of the Bible. God will do the impossible for you. So, to catch you up here, when some of the kings of the nearby cities heard that Israel and Gibeon were now allies, they, they were afraid. They're like, oh, these guys have teamed up. Because Gibeon was not a small town. It was a good-sized city. And so, uh, so everyone was like, man, Gibeon and Israel, they're now allies. We're in trouble. And so five kings from some other cities, they teamed up and said, well, we're going we're to go pick Gibeon off. We're going to take them out. That way, you know, they're, they're not teamed up with Israel. We're just going to go cut them out. We're not going to mess with Joshua. Leave Joshua alone. He'll kick our butts. But we're going to go over here to Gibeon, and we're going to take them out. And so they try to sneak attack Gibeon, but word gets out. And so Gibeon, they send some guys over to Joshua real quick, and they say, Joshua, listen, we need you right now. And I'm sure Joshua's thinking, oh, great. What do they want now? I mean, they should be happy carrying water buckets for me. I don't know what their problem is. But, but here they are. And so they send some guys uh, over there to meet Joshua. And since Joshua was a man of his word, Joshua came to the rescue. And guess what? When Joshua enters a fight, he's not there to just, you know, slap around and play patty. When Joshua goes to a fight, I mean... He shows up swinging. And so Joshua and Israel come with their full fury and lay the smack down on these other guys. So Joshua chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Joshua 10, verses 9 and 10. And so, I mean, Joshua didn't really like the people of Gibeon, but he did make a promise, and he was good on his word. Joshua 10, verse 9. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. And so Joshua, he's, he's 85 years old. He's in his mid-80s. He gets word. He's like, all right, boys, let's go. They go all night long. They show up, and the Amorites are there getting ready to attack. They're like, surprise, guess who it is? You're getting ready to go down. And so Joshua and the armies of Israel, they lay into these fools. Look at this. Verse 11, it says, as the Amorites, or, so they showed up at Gideon. And uh, let me find my verse here, sorry. Verse 9. And so they showed up. At verse 10, the Lord threw them into a panic. The Amorites were terrified. And the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Haran, killing them all the way uh, along the way to Azekah and Makedah. And so here they are. Joshua shows up and he's like, if I came all night, I'm going to fight. I mean, I'm not even going to. He just goes out there and they start, you know, again, some of these stories are a little gruesome, but they are, they are slaughtered and they are, they are taking no captives. They are, they are, they're just wiping these dudes out. It was a slaughter, man. And so here's Joshua, and he is there. He's ready to fight. So this was, Joshua was a warrior. But what I'm getting ready to show you now is where Joshua steps into, once again, the realm of the miraculous. Where Joshua steps in to a true, bona fide miracle of God. This is crazy what I'm getting ready to show you. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Haran, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Azekah. And so giant hailstones are falling out of heaven. And if you read the book of Revelation, the end times wars, it talks about will be like this too. Well, there's going to be hailstones like, like, like the size of beach balls, man, like falling out of heaven and killing people. It's, it's nuts, but, but it happened right here. And so these hailstones are falling out. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. I mean, that is insane. And I, imagine how big this hail was. 
falling out of heaven. But that's not even the best part of this story. I'm getting to the good part. So it says, on the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. I'm getting ready to show you something, but check this out. Joshua had insane faith. Why did he have such big faith? Because he heard the word for months, for years. He heard it all the time. He didn't have a, you know, like we have podcasts and CDs to listen to. He repeated the word to himself so much that he had insane faith for huge, huge miracles. So Joshua, he's fighting these guys, but there's not enough daylight. He's like, man, there's more to kill, but we don't have enough daylight. I don't know what we're going to do. Look what Joshua does right here. So he said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Agilon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. The sun didn't go down that day. Look at this. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jashar? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. They needed sun. They, they needed daylight. They couldn't do this in the dark. They had traveled all night long. And think about the strength and the warrior mentality of Joshua. He should have been tired from traveling all night. He should have been tired for fighting all day long and, and, and battling all day long. But he's like, I need more time, God. He had such faith where he could stand in front of a whole big army of people and say, God, don't let the sun go down. We need that daylight. Give us more time. Give the sun. Leave it right where it is. And so the sun, it was, it was high noon for that whole period of time. It's, that's insane. That is insane. What a prayer to get answered. And I've heard different theologians and scholars try to explain, well, that's figurative. I mean, it probably didn't really happen. No. Joshua wrote this book. Joshua was a man of his word. Joshua wrote what happened. And what's very, very interesting is there's recordings of other ancient civilizations of that same time period where they recorded a day where the sun didn't go down. And what's even crazier is there's, there's, uh, there's recordings from American Indian tribes from the same time period of a day where it stayed night all for, for a whole 24 hours where the sun didn't come up at all. And what I'm saying is this is on the other side of the hemisphere. It would have been nighttime over here in the Americas. And it's crazy that they recorded a time where, where it stayed night for a whole 24-hour period. Nobody could explain it. This really happened. God literally made the sun stand still in the middle of the sky for a whole 24-hour period so Joshua could finish fighting a battle for people he didn't even really like. Because he's a man of his word. I mean, I have no idea why he would do this. But he knew that if I break my word, I made an oath using the Lord's name right here. If I break this, God's not going to be on my side anymore. I'll do whatever it takes. If I got to if I got to walk all night long through the desert and go fight a battle for a whole 24 hour period and I'm in my up mid to upper 80s, I'm going to do that because I don't want to do anything to not have God on my side. And so he goes, 
he fights, he, I mean, he's seeing hailstones fall out of the sky and crush people. He sees the sun stand still for an entire day. All this stuff without even taking a break. I mean, this is insanity. This is why I call Joshua one of the greatest warriors in the Bible. This man was incredible. And God did very, very, very heroic things for him. And one reason why, this, why I think Joshua purposely prayed for this miracle is the Amorites were a people that worshipped the sun. And Joshua goes out there and says, look at this. My God controls the sun. You better get afraid. And when his God controlled the sun, those people were probably terrified and had no idea what to do. So, yeah, there's turmoil, there's panic. These people are running around not knowing what's going to happen next. And so, verse 15, So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place. Wow. Until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. That, what an incredible story. What an incredible story. Then Joshua and the Israelite army returned to their camp at Gilgal. They, they, they complete the battle. They're like, okay, let's go home. They just pack up and they walk on home like nothing ever happened. I'm like, good Lord, what a day. What a day. Can you imagine talking to your friends after, what did you do today? Well, you know, I went to work, I packed a PB&J and, you know, drank, drank a bottle of water. What did you do? Oh, well, I prayed and giant hailstones fall out of heaven and crushed a bunch of people. Well, you know, I prayed the sun stood still. Well, I mean, you know, just one of those type of days. Like, what in the world? This guy is crazy, man. But God kept doing these things to him because he wouldn't back down on his word. And so I just want to encourage you tonight, man. If, if, if you put your word out there, you keep it and you expect for God to do the impossible, God can do some crazy things in your life if you'll refuse to compromise. Joshua made a little mistake that could have really cost them, but he didn't try to correct it by doing the wrong thing. He did the right thing. And because of that, no harm came from it, but an awesome story in the Bible came out of it and because he did the right thing. So maybe, you know, you're here tonight and you're like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm debating this situation. What do I do? Listen. Do the right thing, even if nobody else does it, even if nobody else says to do it, even if conventional wisdom says lie in this situation, do it this way. Don't do that. Do what Joshua did. Do the right thing and you will come out on top. If God has to make the sun stand still, God will make sure that you come out on top. If you're serving him and you're doing things his way, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up tonight. We're done there. Amen. So Joshua is, I mean, one of the, I just love studying the book of Joshua. This is exciting stuff. Hey, we've got more good stuff to come, so come back next week. I'm telling you that. We'll pull another good story out of there. All right, let's go ahead. And if you need prayer for